going on, everybody? James here, producer of the None of Your Business podcast. Hope you're having a great day. We've got special guest Jess and James Chinapan on the podcast this episode. He jumps on with Sean and Lacey and shares his incredible story of how he was very successful at a young age, lost everything, but then gained it all back due to his abundance mindset and knowing that everything will come back to him. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast with special guest, Justin James Chinapan. Welcome to a brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast. And this week, we have a super special guest. I got to tell you, like, super special, especially for us in the sense that I feel like we've literally been fighting and have him tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> fighting the system in order to be able to just be in the same room with gentlemen. And after all said and done, we're still not in the same room. He's not yet. All the way across the pond. And uh, we're here in the United States and we're doing this um, with technology, but we still long for and dream about the day when we'll actually be able to be in the same room with him. But we figured we'd bring him on the podcast. Um, and then, of course, uh, broadcasting some super exclusive content into Black Diamond Club um, to hear his take, hear what he is seeing in the midst of a pandemic, because this is a guy that is just absolutely, one, inspiring and motivating people to move forward. And that's one thing. You can just inspire people. Great. But he himself is also doing great things, building his business, reaching tons of people, making massive impact. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit about the lifestyle because he was recently on um, a very touching uh, television program uh, for those of you in the United States. It's sort of this um, sort of home swap, home swap yeah. right, where, where, where he went to someone else's home. But it was a very touching uh, story. It wasn't just uh, reality entertainment. Um, Jessen, of course, leveraged that to make massive impact. impact. So let's bring him on. Here is our special guest for today, Justin James Chinapan. Welcome to the None of Your Business podcast. Wow. What an introduction. Have you guys been speaking to my mom beforehand and getting like some nuggets from how much absolutely. she loves me? You must have. You must have. No, seriously, guys, absolute honor um, and pleasure. And thank you for uh, bringing me on. Uh, we have been battling indeed. We have been battling, but we will get there. We will get there, I'm sure. So for all of our United States-based listeners, and one of Lacey and I's goals is to um, introduce you to the community that we serve, because you are so inspiring to uh, the people that, the, the community that you've built over in Europe, and of course in the United States, but with the community that we serve, um, who is Jessen James Chinapan? Wow, what a great question. What is What an interesting question. Well, look, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm actually, I know a lot of the BDC family are clinicians. Um, I'm actually an ex-clinician myself. Uh, I'm an ex-psychiatric nurse. That's my background. I'm one of the few nurses turned entrepreneur here over here in the UK. Um, for me, I suppose my fascination with entrepreneurship started in school. Like, I mean, I, I was that kid in school you could go to and ask for stuff and I'd go and find it and sell it to you. Um, legal stuff for, for the purposes of this podcast. You know. um, but but for, for me, it was more about, um, you know, in school, they don't teach you entrepreneurship. They don't teach you about this stuff. It's very much like teach you to get a good education and go and get a job. 
which which is cool you know obviously if that's your route that's absolutely fine but for a kid like me who was fascinated with this stuff nobody kind of teaches you that but um i got into buying and selling stuff um from a young age um but as you know parents peer pressure whatnot you get told to continue your studies so i did i went to university i qualified as a uh, psychiatric nurse and uh, I, I I continue to work in in the over here we've got like the the national health service and we've got the private sector so I was blessed to work in the private sector which is essentially a business uh, and it taught me some some great skills but um in the the last recession sort of 2008 2009 um, my employer um, told me that they no longer needed me anymore uh, and this became like a big blow for me because I I like climbed the ranks in the private sector as a nurse. I was like the youngest ward manager in the UK at the age of 27. Um, and being the private hospital, we had to go out and sell beds and make money. And I made my employer over six and a half million pounds in just two years. And um, just like that, I was I was dropped. And I don't know if anyone listening right now can relate to being, um, I don't know, stabbed in the back, betrayed, something like that. Um, uh, because I've given my all and everything to this company, right? Only to be like pretty much bitch slapped and so we don't need you anymore. So, um, you know, and, and it, it hurt me, but it taught me a very valuable lesson. And if anyone's listening to this right now, I'd like you to, if you're taking notes or whatever you're doing, please either pencil this into your brain or write it down. It taught me this valuable lesson. And that was nothing in life is secure unless you secure it yourself. Like literally, like your business isn't secure right now, people, unless you step up and do some certain things. Your your job isn't secure because you're putting your life in the hands of someone else. Um, your health isn't secure. Your relationship is like nothing is secure unless you take responsibility. And literally at that moment when they told me that they don't need me anymore, uh, I made a decision and that was to never work for anybody ever again. And um, but I don't know about you, but um, you know what happens after you make a brave decision, right? Like literally two seconds later, like this little voice goes up in the head and goes, what the hell are you doing? Um, and that, <laughs> that was me. And it was hard because like for five months, I was I was literally like walking around, licking my wounds, trying to figure out what to do. Bearing in mind with the background that I had, my uh, you know, my career, I would have been snapped up by one of my ex-bosses and um, competitors like in a heartbeat, but that would have been me putting myself back into a job and I didn't want that. And it was difficult because I had to, you know, I had to face internal battles. You know, I didn't have any money and I had to figure out what I was going to do. I had my parents on my back. Like, you know, my parents, they're from Mauritius, obviously we're from an Asian background and in Asian communities specifically, like if, if your son is unemployed, like you're an embarrassment, man, like <laughs> you're embarrassing. And I remember my dad making up excuses and all sorts saying like, Jesson's taking a career break. And I'm like, no dad, tell the truth. Jesson got fired. <laughs> Stop lying, you know? So um, it was a tough time, but then um, it dawned upon me and many of your listeners will relate to this is why don't I use what I already know? And, and that was the healthcare industry. Like I, knew, I knew nursing, I knew healthcare, I knew how the business ran because, you know, I suppose subconsciously I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So when I was working for somebody else, I was deemed as an intrapreneur. I was being entrepreneurial inside someone else's organization. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to give it a go. And I launched my own healthcare business back in uh, 2009, so five months after I was made redundant. Um, and it was tough. It was tough because in the UK, 
Um, you have to deal a lot with the local authority and things like that to get registered. And I, I met a lot of resistance and it was tough. And for like six months, I, I didn't have any clients or any income into that business. And I'm sure many people listening to this, if you're getting into business or you're running a business, you, you know it's tough at times and you, you have that moment of wanting to give up. And I don't know if anyone else is listening to this right now, maybe even during this crazy time we're going through right now feels like giving up, but I did. I felt like giving up, but you know, you know, just when you're about to give up, there's like a tipping point about to come. And if you keep pushing, you'll get that tipping point. And before you know it, uh, I started getting clients. Um, I worked literally like a dog, like just day in, day out, pouring all the money back into uh, that business. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, this isn't a cliche story, but I'm serious. I was living, living off freaking like super noodles and all kinds of stuff, you know, and just trying to pour the money back into the company. So I was able to double the size of that company in, in, in two years, sorry, in one year. And then I quadrupled the income in that business in, in two years. Uh, but that business allowed me to, to do certain things, which was make, make, make good money because we all get into business to make money. None of us are here to be charity cases, right? But there was a bigger problem at hand because I had like nice car, nice house, nice stuff. But I was working 80 hours a week. I was a slave to my business. Um, and quite frankly, I was my business. And I'm sure many people who are listening to this might relate, like especially when you're self-employed or service-based. I know not a lot of your audience are. Um, if, if it's all reliant on you, then you, you actually don't have a business. You have a job with a terrible boss who doesn't give you enough time off. That's it. Right. Um, and that was me. And it was a dangerous place to be. So I had to take what was in my head, put it into systems, processes, hire the right people, niche down my product offering, increase my prices. And, and I was able, fortunately, over the course of about 12 months, I was able to go from working like 80 hours a week down to like one hour a week, just managing that business from afar, having my other managers and other directors run that company for me. It essentially made me financially free at the age of 31. It allowed me to go off and invest in other businesses and property and things like that. And uh, before you know it, by the age of 33, I was uh, officially a millionaire. So not bad for a nurse who got fired. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Not bad at all. What a wonderful story. Thank you. Super, super inspiring. So today um, you spend a lot of your time helping others, helping others to understand scale systems, processes, exit. Mm. Um Tell me, tell me kind of what you're seeing right now, obviously over in England, but yeah. I mean, this is a worldwide pandemic. Tell me what you're mm -hmm. seeing amongst the people that you are working with. What sort of is the emotional temperature right now? Uh, dude, um, I'm glad you asked that question because it's m most people when they come to see me, they, they often they're going like, Jess, what's happening in the marketplace? What's happening with business? What's happening with it? And they talk strategy. It's got nothing to do with strategy. It's in your head at the moment. Everybody's running in a place of scarcity and they're going into a place of lack. Like nothing good comes out of that state. Like there's no such thing as unresourceful people, only unresourceful states. So like mm -hmm. if you want to look at who, who's winning at the moment, it's people that have gone, no, this is not the new norm. I refuse to accept it as the new norm because this too shall pass. What can I do in the interim to make sure I'm still crushing it rather than just turn into a little little school child and hide and run or whatever like so for me what i'm seeing at the moment is a lot of lack a lot of like a lot of scarcity type mindset um but on the flip side of that for those who are willing to be coachable those who are willing to learn those who are willing to understand that look uh with all due respect if the am i allowed to swear on this web <laughs> on this <laughs> I, don't, 
I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. What good would it be if we brought on a guest and made you be someone else that you're, that you're not. not? Yeah, I know. You're very- <laughs> Obviously, my mom's not listening, so that'll be okay. So, um, but seriously, when the shit hits the fan, like, like it's already hit the fan, like, and some. So if you're already on the floor, there's only one way you can go now, right? So, like, like literally, just pick yourself up, try something. Some people are not doing anything. And, and I think what I'm seeing at the moment is increasingly people are – attempting to be innovative with their businesses but it's coming from a place of lack as in they they don't truly believe it's going to work so they're just going to give it a go and when was the last time something worked when you didn't believe in it so if i if i'm if i'm seeing anything right now i'm seeing a lot of people like literally um go from a place of thinking like hey it's all over to go well maybe i'll give this a try but they, they're operating from a place of hope as well. Like, I hope it works out. Like, seriously, with all due respect, hope is for suckers, man. Seriously, like, you have to have faith that is going to work. Because, like, hope is like wishing. Faith will get you to where you want to go. And if people listening right now, like, if you know you've got a great product, if you know you've got a great service, if you know what you've got can help someone or change this world or make it a better place, then don't hope it's going to work. Have absolute bulletproof faith that it's going to work out. I mean, I launched three new companies during COVID. I, I own seven businesses myself. I'm not just talking this stuff, right? So, like, and I'm just a kid who grew up in a rough part of London who had two choices, being gangs and do drugs or actually listen to some good teachers and parents. And I'm very glad I took the latter, right? So if I can do it without sounding cliche, I'm a nurse, man. Like, if I can do it, <laughs> what's your excuse? <laughs> I love that. And you know, Justin, that's, um, I know that you do a lot of work helping people like not have a business that's reliant on them. Mm, right. And mm, that's obviously mm. something that you achieved yourself. And right now with everything that's going on, people do step into those states of lack and uncertainty, and they're trying to not stay there. And what we hear oftentimes is people say, but I'm so tired. I just yeah. don't know what else I can do. What kind of advice do you give to entrepreneurs that are in that state specifically, especially with what's going on? Yeah, yeah, great, fantastic question, Lacey. Look, first, first and foremost, there's, there's two things I'll say. Is that no, number one, um, when people are feeling like that, they're focusing a lot on what they don't have. Mm. They just their focus is on I don't have this, I don't have enough sales, I don't have enough clients. It's lack, 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 lack. But what do you have? Like, go back to basics, like have some gratitude for what you do have, because I guarantee you there's someone out there right now worse off than you, way worse. So, so go back to a place of gratitude. That will, that will transform your state. That will put you into a different mindset. It will go like, hey, you know what? Things might be crappy right now, but hey, it, it's, it's not as bad as so-and-so. It's not as bad as somebody else, right? Um, and I suppose, I suppose the second thing people can do when they're in this state now, like, you know, I'm tired, I'm this, I'm that is often people are trying to overcomplicate stuff and you know there's that there's that saying that when you're in when you're going when you're searching for a solution a great place to start is right underneath your nose and what you're looking for might be right in front of you you're just overcomplicating it like people have got great products and services already like i'm like in my in my in my training company a lot of my peers in the here in the uk we run lots of live events we do all this kind of stuff a lot of them started going, oh, my goodness, like we're going to have to pivot. We're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to change everything. We're going to have to do this. And 
I didn't. I actually continued to make offerings into live events with the offer of a digital version attached to it. Um, but their ticket for the live event is still valid for when we're out of this crisis. So people people still wanted to do live events. So why stop selling live events? Just adapt that slightly. But I had people changing their offer completely and changing stuff up. And now now it's almost like they're launching something that they don't even understand themselves. So it's it's like they're diluting what they're offering. So like keep it simple. Just keep it simple. So that that's what I probably say. Anyone listening right now, if you're feeling like you're tired, you're this, you're that, you know, go to a place of gratitude. Look right underneath your nose. And I suppose one more thing is, um, you know, is is understand that tough times don't last. Tough people do. You know. Mm. So that's what I'd say. Great. Well, speaking of gratitude. Let's talk about your um, appearance on the reality program where you <laughs> went to another family and yeah. uh, swapped houses. Was it mm-hmm. for a week? Was it for an yes. entire week? Yeah, for a week, yeah. Um, and basically the premise, I mean, to I, I'll, I'll state it, so it's not basically coming from you sounding pretentious, but we have a, a an upper-class family switching places with a lower class family and understanding. So they're seeing your house and your car and the way that you live and vice versa. And all of the press following the episode was very positive because it was very touching because you made a massive impact on that family. Tell us about that. But I also want to know what did you get out of that? Um, Because obviously, I mean, it's great to be benevolent and altruistic. Clearly, there's lessons in gratitude, but even beyond just lessons in gratitude for you, um, I would love to learn, love to hear what the lessons are that you received by doing that. Fantastic. Well, thank thank you for bringing it up. I mean, um, it's it was an interesting show. I mean, I I I was approached by the TV company to to swap lives, like you said, with with uh, with a family who wasn't doing so well. Um, and this was just before lockdown over here in the UK. We went out and filmed this show, which was good timing, I suppose. And I think um, for me, the experience as a whole was was really humbling because um, me, my kids, my family, it's it's like, I mean, I, I came from nothing. Like I came from a household where like mum and dad would just bust their backsides working like every day. And we, we, you know, we had food on the table, we had a roof over our head, but I used to wear hand-me-down clothes. I used to wear like secondhand stuff. I used to get bullied at school for looking different. I used to, I used to hate that. And I suppose that started my early fascination with money. I was like, Hey, like if I like I'm wearing cheap stuff, then what do I need to do to go and fix this? And it kind of made me realize that I need to make money. But, but for me, um that's a long way away that i don't live like that anymore so so going back to a place where i had to live off the equivalent of how how many how many dollars this is it's probably like 70 to 80 bucks a week i had to live off um for for my family for me and my family we had to we get we was given like 70 80 uh, 80 dollars to live off for the week uh, that was food travel um all that kind of stuff like and i'm like 70 bucks like my kids spunk that on breakfast and then like it was, it's like it's crazy so um so it made it made me realize that how much we um when you make when you make it quote unquote make it or whatever or even if you're comfortable um there, there, there are efficiencies we can still make like we waste a lot i realized we waste a lot like money food all these kind of things like like it's it's crazy like i eat out with my children like three four times a week and do all this kind of crazy stuff and 
it was a very humbling experience. Like um, for, for me, it was a reality check for my family as well, because I've been there, I've lived that. But I was like, you see, like, look, look, look how people live, you know. Um, but it also taught us uh, to slow down. Um, like as entrepreneurs, we, we get caught up in this whirlwind of, you know, supporting other people, especially service based people and, um, you know, going out there and crushing it and making your business work. But you've got to be very careful because one day you'll make it to the top and you'll turn around and look behind you and the people you're doing it for are not there anymore. Like then they haven't got time for you. So um, so it taught me to slow down, like think simple things like cooking dinner with the kids, because um, my philosophy has always been. Hey, like I'd rather eat out with my children so I can spend time with them and break bread rather than waste precious time with them looking at a cooker with my back to them. Like so, but then what about getting them involved in making dinner? We never thought of doing that before. So we had to with this uh, with this low budget, like we had to get them involved in doing stuff. We couldn't just go out. Um, and I suppose we also learned that I we we, te- we tend to solve a lot of our problems with money which isn't a bad thing because like money money's amazing and like if anyone's listening like you know seriously get your money right because it can solve a lot of things for you but we take it for granted so much like the kids are bored right what can we buy to entertain them <laughs> um which isn't the best strategy right we should be doing more as a family so really thought some humbling stuff um for the other family um it was interesting because um, I really got to understand how they live, um, how they got into debt in the first place. And um, it was tough. It was a, they're living a tough life. Like, I mean, how do you live off, you know, $70 a week to feed your family? And they had like, I think they had like three, four kids and it's hard. Um, so off the back of that, what, you know, I suppose you asked me what else did I get from it? Um, I suppose I had the humbling experience of being able to serve this family. So what I did was, um, I offered to train this lady up on uh, business. I put her through my business and marketing school. Um, and then I pledged to fund the startup of her company. So she's just about to launch a cleaning business. Obviously, COVID hit, um, which which restricted her movements in terms of domestic and commercial cleaning here in the UK. But nevertheless, we're all getting it set up, uh, getting that funded, paying for her, her equipment, her van, her, her stuff, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll be doing her marketing for her and getting her up and running and giving her and her family a lifeline. And that was a that was a humble blessing for me to be able to serve her in that way. So, yeah, great, great experience. Cra- crazy, crazy experience, but a really, really good one. Amazing. Yeah, that's super awesome. Super glad uh, people are asking, is there still a way that um, they can watch the episode? Yes. So um, there's, t- there's two ways. Obviously, uh, I believe you've got Channel 5 in the States. Have you got Channel 5? I no. Know. Um, we have to watch it online. I think we can watch it online. I, I, I saw, saw it a link. That yeah, it's a, if you go to my YouTube channel, if you just go to Jess and James official YouTube channel and just search or just search Jess and James rich house, poor house, it will come up um, because of copyright. Only you guys can watch it in the States on my YouTube channel. It doesn't, it doesn't work here in the UK. So if anyone's listening in the UK, um, the States are fine. They can watch it on my YouTube channel, but uh, the UK, you'll have to go to channel fives and it's still on replay at the moment on live TV. So you can catch it there. And what I saw was interesting, um, even uh, going to the grocery store and having a very limited budget and trying to figure out even how to buy the food that you guys needed to eat with almost no money. That was, that was very interesting. <laughs> That that was in. I mean that that threw me way back because that's what my mum used to do. My like, my mum used to take me to markets just like that. Like when I was little, 
And um, she, I used to watch her go from one end of the market to the other just to save 20 cents, like on a, on a you know, some vegetables or whatever, because every penny counted, right? So um, it really, get, it was really nostalgic being in that environment, but, um, but I was used to it. So I knew there were deals to be had. So, <laughs> so I, you know what? Let's hustle. Let's do what we can. Like um, simple principle: if it's not a win-win, I'm not buying. So I went into places, and you know, we hustled and we did good. And it, and then I found a really nice lady, and and you know, she a lovely lady called Doreen who ran this little stall. And you know, I kind of uh, got talking to her and told her my story, told her what we were up to and stuff. And and you know, and she 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 was really nice. She like she she hooked us up. So so it, it was really cool. It's was, it was fun. It's fun. Like because again, I don't look at the price tag when I buy stuff nowadays, but like like back back in that environment you have to like you've got no choice you know so so that was really cool I, there's two things i really love about what you said and explaining the story number one is i mean because we do that too M- money can provide a lot of solutions mm-hmm. for you but the lesson there is that there is solutions that don't require money and sometimes we just don't see them because we're so used to doing it one way and i think that's really powerful when mm-hmm. people are in a state where they feel like, you know, they're not living the abundant life that they want. There's still always solutions for everything all around you. I think that's really powerful. And secondly, I love that even through the, this pandemic and everything that's going on, that that individual, that woman was able to take your course and is going to start a business. Yeah. Like you said, you're a nurse and look what you did and look what she's doing. Anybody out there listening, you can start your business and it can be successful by really investing in yourself and learning. I love that. Hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. So on that tip of lessons learned, and I, you know, you have a fantastic relationship with money, um, affinity mm-hmm. for Louis Vuitton, so does <laughs> um, And so, we don't always win. Um, recently, over the summer, um, you and I were attempting to pull mm-hmm. off the impossible right. and yeah. get you over to the United States to speak at summer camp. That's right. Something that money could not solve, actually. And <laughs> at the end of the day, we 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 were defeated. We were unable to make that happen. Tell us about that situation because I did not get to live it on your side. What way you're Just staying at staying at the hotel, getting on the you're know, going to the airport and you know the anticipation, the hope, then getting denied, and then again, what lessons did you learn from that? Wow, wow, that that was yeah that. <laughs> Gosh, that just just reliving that now it was crazy. Like, obviously, um, it was right down to the wire, right? Whether I was coming or not, and we were applying like crazy to to come. And it's funny, like you, I think you dropped me a message, Sean, like uh, on a on a Sunday, I think it was, to see what's up. And literally the Monday after that, the the U.S. Embassy here announced that they were releasing special visas to go over to the states, um, and specifically to 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 kind of contribute to the economic repair of the states, right? So. Great. So anyway, cut a long story short, Claire, my amazing PA, ran around, filling out all these forms, doing this, doing this, blah, blah, blah. We found out on Tuesday that they'd issued a per- permit for us to travel. Uh, we booked the flight on the Wednesday. I think I was supposed to uh, – I booked the flight on a Tuesday. I was supposed to come out, come out on the Wednesday. Get to the airport. It's all good. About to go and check in. And there were two U.S. officials on the ground um, checking people randomly and doing whatever they're doing. And I don't know if this guy was having a shit day or whatever, but he wasn't, he just didn't care about what paperwork I had. He said, it's, well, I'm sorry. I need to clear this with the embassy. This doesn't look right. This is, and I'm like, dude, my flight's going like, like uh, your embassy here in the UK have given me paperwork. And 
it, no, like, I mean, I don't have any kind of preconception of, uh, you know, authority figures in the States, but this guy seriously had a chip on his shoulder. Like, you know, I don't know what it is, but um, he wasn't having it. He was like, well, good luck. You're not getting on the flight. And I'm like, watch me. <laughs> and um, so I did, I, I literally had like Claire booked me a hotel attached to the, the, the airport. I just camped out in the airport, in the, in the hotel for two nights, going backwards and forwards with the embassy, arguing, spending more money. Like you said, money didn't solve this one, but um, I had the money to throw it. I mean, I'm, I think till, till today, I'm still like five grand down, like from trying to, trying to get out to the States, you know, flights and visa applications and all this kind of stuff. And, um, right down to the wire, I think um, they gave me a glimmer of hope to say they were going to interview me at the U.S. Embassy. So I had to leave the airport, go to the U.S. Embassy. They said, it's not confirmed, but I need to wait nearby just in case they contact me. So I calculated like half past two in the afternoon was the latest they could see me. Otherwise, I'd miss the flight. And the flight wasn't going to be the, the route that you told me. I think it was Chicago and then or whatever it was. I would have to go to Boston and jump in a car and drive down to, to, to you guys. So I had it all mapped out. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. You know, whatever. Even if you drive on the wrong side of the road to me, it's all good. I'm going <laughs> to jump in the car. And um, right down to the wire, they they turned around and rejected me at the last minute and said, sorry, they've had some urgent meetings and have canceled my appointment. So I can't I can't get seen. And at that point, I think I, I, think I sent you a photo, Sean. I think I sent you a photo of me outside the U.S. Embassy with the American flag in the back saying, that I tried, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, it was, it was interesting. But... What, what what it did is, um, I suppose what, what I can relate to anybody listening is um, you, it's all about being resourceful. Like, yes, there are times when things aren't going to work out, but like, why would you not try and find out? Like, And yet I might have spent money on it. And yes, I might have had time and energy and this and that. But the, the lessons that came out of that and the perseverance that came out of that and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I'd rather know if I could make it or not than sit there thinking, you know, you guys would have been running summer camp and I would have gone, I wonder if I could have made it there. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have to wonder because I tried, you know, it, it, it is what it is, you know. So, um, but I suppose on money, like just for anyone listening, I know people have got these really bad hangups over money or these money beliefs that don't serve them. And I suppose one of the most common ones is money doesn't buy you happiness, um, well, in my book, money might buy no, might not buy you happiness, but poverty doesn't buy you shit. So, um, <laughs> so uh, I suppose poverty buys you more stress, more problems, more drama, more you know, more of this. So, yeah, it costs me money, but yeah, it, it's irrelevant. It's something that I know I can replenish, and it's also given me an opportunity to to kind of be on this podcast with you guys, and also map out how we're going to get out to the states at some point. You know, so um, it's all good. It was good fun. Well, let, you know, speaking of replenishing, um, how can people, because you obviously have offers, you do events um, mm-hmm. over in Europe, and uh, how, one, how can people get in touch with you? How can people engage with what you have going mm-hmm. on? Because I'm going to say, look, I think that if you are looking for any degree of mentorship, help, assistance, mm-hmm. um, strategy, advice, then why not? use somebody that understands money one the way that jessen does but two understands giving right the story mm-hmm. with helping this family out etc so number one how can people get in touch with you number two given everything that's happened um what do you say about coming to summer camp in 2021 i i'm i'm there already <laughs> <laughs> 
I am there already. Like as long as all this blows over, I book me in. I'm there. Like, like yeah. I'm there, right? Um, that's definitely, definitely the agenda. It'd be an absolute honor to come and meet you guys and hang out with you guys. I'd, I'd love to do that. In terms of getting in touch with me, I, I suppose there's a few ways people can do that. But um, what I'd love to do at some point, obviously, you know, depending on on how we get on with summer camp and whatnot. But maybe one day, you know, we, we can hook up and do some some kind of like a, a webinar or a live Q and A or something to the to the BDC family or your your, your followers. Uh, but secondly. Um, I always say to people, get to know someone first. Um, like if you're going to hire a mentor, like, like, like Sean, Lacey, you guys are incredible mentors in what you do. Um, I see the amount of level of value you guys put out to the marketplace, not just to your paying customers, but to people who haven't even paid you yet. And that's good because I believe everybody should earn the right to coach or mentor someone. So what I would say to you is, is, is head over to flow.page forward slash Jess and James. That's flow.page forward slash Jess and James. Um, and that will just give you links to all of my social media channels. And I would say just connect my websites on there. Everything's on there. But just connect with me online first and follow me. Get get to know me. Get to see what I'm about. Um, I, you know, we've we got a lot of... Um, you know, of these, I don't like to guru bash, but we have a lot of gurus in the industry who are not necessarily living what they teach, um, which is what I love about you two. Like you, like you, you're business owners, you've got businesses like all over the place and you, you, you follow what you do. You don't just like, you haven't just made it and suddenly now you're teaching someone else to make it. You, you live this every day. And, and I think it's important for you guys to see as well. Like, like I said, I own seven different companies. I, I, I run businesses myself. I don't just talk this stuff. Uh, but one thing you just said there, Sean, um, is I give. I, I'm a big believer in lifting people up, like, like help people, like serve people. Like even you guys right now, if you're listening to this and you've got clients that are going through a rough time at the moment, look, I believe this. If I can't be with my clients when they're down, I don't, I don't have a right to be with them when they're up, plain and simple. So go and serve your tribe. Like I saw you two, like you and Lacey, I saw what you were doing. Like when, as soon as we went into lockdown, you guys shot the value up, man. Like, like you started serving your tribe. You started increasing what you're doing, doing this and doing that. And I was doing the same here over the UK. So like, just, just understand that I, I don't need your money. If you're going to come and work with me, understand this. I don't need your money. It, your money's not going to make me rich. But if you did engage with me, it might just course correct where you're heading later on. So yeah, that's what I would say. Love it. Awesome. I think that's a great place to end the None of Your Business podcast. But we're going to continue the conversation over in the Black Diamond Club with some exclusive thoughts from Jessen about what our members should be doing going forward in Q4 and beyond to make sure that they come out of this whole thing bigger, better, stronger than ever. Thank you so much for listening to the None of Your Business podcast. If you're not yet a member of Black Diamond Club, what are you waiting for? Jump on www.blackdiamondclub.com. We would love to have you. You get exclusive content like the rest of this interview and all of the other guests that come on the podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. We'll be back again next week with another brand new edition of the None of Your Business podcast.